This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Unnecessary roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And here we are kicking off hour number two of the show, Unnecessary Roughness, coming up at uh, 3.15. We'll have Raiders punter A.J. Cole. He's at the Pro Bowl. He'll join the show to talk about the festivities and everything that he's got going on. But wanted to share this tweet right here with everyone. Champ Kelly was a great member of the Bears staff and helped out significantly as a pro scout and as a college scout. He gets a well-deserved promotion with the Raiders only a matter of time before he's a GM in the league. And that tweet came out from Jacob Infante. He's a draft analyst for the Draft Wire, writer and podcaster for Windy City Gridiron. He's on the phone lines with us right now. And uh, Jacob, thank you so much for your time. And that tweet really caught my attention. And uh, I've been excited about the Champ Kelly hire because I know he interviewed for the GM job and somehow the Raiders were able to find a way to bring him in as an assistant GM to work alongside Dave Ziegler. So that to me is a big deal. So what did Champ Kelly mean to the Bears organization? Yeah, so absolutely. I think that Champ Kelly uh, played a big role in the Bears organization in putting together uh, the roster that they have in place. I know that uh, generally around the NFL, around the nation, uh, the Bears don't necessarily have the best uh, reputation. I'll just say that in recent years because, you know, coming off of a season where, you know, they fell far short of 500 even, and then, you know, they limped into the playoffs, so they've fallen short of expectations. But, don't let that distract you guys as Raiders fans from the fact that there, there is a really good roster in place, especially in 2018 when the Bears uh, won the NFC North and they made it in the playoffs. It was a really good roster that was uh, put together very well. They just messed up on the quarterback position. Uh, and then you know things did fall apart from there. Uh, but Champ Kelly was a, a huge part of – putting together that roster that was able to make it into the playoffs was able to have one of the best uh, defensive performances we've seen in the past decade. Uh, he's got experience in uh, pro personnel and scouting uh, on the collegiate side as well. So he's got, you know, he, he's got his eggs in quite a bit, a few baskets and that was a role that he played for the bears. Uh, he was involved in both, you know, aspects of the off season and, He's a very valuable asset, and I think that the Raiders, it, it, considering the fact, you know, like you said, coming in, uh, they were they wanted to interview him for the GM job, and they did, but they brought him in as an assistant GM. Like that's a very, uh, very good hire for them, in my opinion. So, you know, most I don't know how long he's going to stick around in Vegas. I do think he gets a GM job eventually, but I do think it's a very good hire for that organization. I agree. I've been saying that. I think that he's going to be here a couple years most because of everything you just said, because he's really really well-respected, and, and he will get that GM spot uh, at some point. Now, uh, what do you think would be his biggest strength? Do you think it's the draft part of things, or do you think it's more of, you know, even free agency part of things? Because I know he has, like you said, experience on both sides of it. Yeah, so that is tough. Uh, it's a little bit difficult for an outside perspective to say exactly who played what in spe- every specific signing. But from what I gather, Champ Kelly has 
Uh, he's strong in both areas. I'd say probably more so free agency, especially in the last couple of years, uh, because he, you know he served as the Bears' director of pro scouting mm-hmm. uh, most recently, and I think that he's done a, he a pretty good job there. So I think that free agency is a strong aspect. You know where the Bears, uh, especially a couple of years ago, were able to succeed. I mean, looking at that 2018 team, they were able to bring in Allen Robinson and get, you know, really good production out of him on what was, you know, a relatively cheap deal in the grand scheme of things. Uh, they were able to make, you know, such signings like they brought in, uh, they brought in Nakeem Hicks on a cheap deal. Yeah. And, you know, Champ Kelly was involved in that. Dane Trevathan, you know, really good for a handful of years here in Chicago. Uh, and, then, and then other starters, you're looking at like Bobby Massey, Taylor Gabriel, uh, Trey Burton, and even more so more recently, like Robert Quinn. Right. I know that, you know, people were kind of clowning that signing uh, last year when he was playing injured and didn't really, he only put up two sacks, but he bounced back incredibly this year. And I think that's a really good look for the Bears organization. And uh, so I'd say, I'd say free agency is probably Chant Kelly's uh, forte if I had to say so myself. But I think that he also brings tremendous value uh, as a college scout as well. Talking right now with Jacob Infante here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm glad you brought up Robert Quinn because he's obviously on the defensive side of the ball and the defensive coordinator last season was Sean Desai, and uh, he's actually interviewed with the Raiders, and I don't know if he's going to get the job as the D.C. because they are interviewing other other uh, coordinators or potential coordinators, but uh, he, he really helped bring Robert Quinn along, and, and really Quinn had a great season uh, after not having a great season the first year. He was with the Chicago Bears. So uh, what does Sean Desai as a defensive coordinator, what does he bring to the table? Yeah, so I was admittedly a little disappointed that the Bears, you know, more so kind of dismissed bringing back Sean Desai as defensive coordinator. I mean, whenever you bring in a head coach, obviously he's going to want to have his own staff. So I do understand uh, Matt Eberflus bringing in some more of his Colts guys and having uh, Alan Williams as the defensive coordinator there, but... I think Sean Desai deserves a defensive coordinator spot somewhere else in the NFL, and if it's in Vegas, I definitely think that it's. Uh, I definitely think that'd be a good fit for him. Uh, what he brings to the table is he's you know very heavily a zone guy. Uh, you're talking uh, a very high amount. Like I, I have the tweet up from to Sean Reed right now uh, from the Athletic. They played 65 percent zone coverage and 20% man mm-hmm. uh, in 2021. And I understand, you know, the Raiders have a base 4-3 defense, but right. uh, Sean Desai with the Bears ran out of a 3-4. If Desai's hired, I don't know necessarily if they'd shift to that or if Desai would change things up because ultimately you're playing out of base, like, not very often at all. Like, you're in today's NFL, you're bringing in nickel backs, you're bringing in dime backs, you know, what have you. And I think Desai, what he specializes in is disguising coverages and we notice as you know as bears fans as bears analysts uh down the stretch that he got better at that he he struggled a little bit out of the gate in his first year as a defensive play caller but once he got into the grand scheme of things uh he was really able to disguise some looks pretty well and he did a very good job in my opinion with a secondary that didn't have much talent on it because uh, you're looking at the Bears' secondary, it's probably one of the lower-end secondaries in the NFL today. And I think the side did a pretty good job, all told. I mean, you're looking at one of the better defenses in the league, and I think you know part of that does come down to the personnel you have in place. But I think the side deserves a lot of credit for what he did. And I think he's 
I think he's got a bright future in the NFL. He's still a young guy, and even though in today's NFL, the offensive-minded head coach is you know, the sexier hire, I do think that there's a possibility the side becomes a head coach down the line. I, again, I think he's you know a handful of years away from that. So if he goes to Vegas, I think you're looking at him having him in the fold for you know quite a long time. But I, I think the potential is there for the side to lead the team at the next level. I like it. I like it. Really good stuff right there. Well, I got one more question for you. As far as uh, Vic Fangio goes, I know that the side was really kind of Vic Fangio's right hand man when Fangio was the DC there in Chicago. Uh, what do you think he learned from uh, from Vic Fangio, and kind of uh, what makes him so relatable to the players that are there on the roster now? Yeah, so I think that Desai's, uh, in, in terms of relating with the players, he's got, he's a younger guy, and he brings, uh, you know, a personality that's pretty contagious from what I understand. You know, he's a guy that the players can communicate with. They feel open and, you know, discussing with him. So I think that's a, a good trait to have as a coach. And uh, bringing up that Fangio tie, I think that Sean Desai's defensive scheme is much more Vic Fangio than it is Chuck Pagano, okay. uh, who is the Bears' defensive coordinator in between uh, Fangio and Desai, uh, mostly because I think Desai runs a lot of uh, too high looks. Uh, that's a big thing with him. And uh, Pagano was more so the single high coverage type of guy and Desai did a, a better job, arguably, of interchanging those safeties, having uh, a safety up high, one underneath, or you know, showing one look and then running the other. I think that that's something he adapted from Fangio. And you know, granted, Fangio is one of the best in the business at that, so that's you know, a very high bar to reach. But I do think that Desai does a pretty solid job of that as well. So, uh, yeah, I do think that Desai is much more Fangio than he is Chuck Pagano, but I think there's a lot to like with him, and if the Raiders hire him, I do think it would be a good hire for their organization. There you go. Bottom line right there. If they do hire him, if they do make that decision, then it looks like it could be a really good one. That's Jacob Infante right there, draft analyst for the Draft Wire, writer and podcaster for Windy City Gridiron. Next time we have you on, we'll talk a little bit of draft. I know that you've got some senior bowl thoughts and everything, but we'll get to that next time we have you on. But we do appreciate your time this afternoon, and we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. It's a blast. No doubt. No doubt about it. Good stuff right there. Jacob Infante, uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Jacob Infante24. Uh, does a great job uh, covering the Chicago Bears. And again, if you want to get some like Senior Bowl information, you want to get some draft information, has a good, uh, a good website and a good uh, Twitter account to follow. 310 is the time when we come back. We're expecting to hear from Raiders punter A.J. Cole right here on Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. I was out at Las Vegas Ballpark yesterday for the Pro Bowl practice. Got to see some of the athletes out there doing going through practice, going through their little media scrum, and it looked like a whole lot of fun. There's a lot of fans out there at the ballpark. And one guy in particular that was out there having a good time was uh, Raiders punter A.J. Cole, Pro Bowler, and he's on the phone lines with us here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. And A.J., thank you so much for your time. How, how much fun are you having out there being a Pro Bowler and being out there with all the rest of the Pro Bowlers out there at Las Vegas Ballpark? Oh, yeah, it's been a great time. I'm really uh, enjoying getting to know a lot of the guys from different teams, um, just getting to interact with the fans. Uh, it's been a really unique experience so far. I'm really enjoying it. How cool is it to not only have this experience, but it's in your own backyard? Yeah, it's awesome. I think Las Vegas is really becoming a sports town, obviously, with the Knights coming here a couple years ago, and then now us. And, 
you know, NHL All-Star game this weekend, Pro Bowl. So it's really cool for the city of Las Vegas. The people that I've met in this town have been really, really awesome and incredible to me. And um, so, yeah, I think it's great to be able to play this game here and in front of our home crowd. And there's definitely more Raiders representation than any other uh, team at practice. Yeah, no, there is. A lot of fans repping the silver and black out there when I was out there on a Thursday afternoon. And, AJ, I got a I got to reference a tweet that you sent out. You had a picture of yourself and Max Crosby on a tweet. You said that uh, there's one that's a, that's the, a great uh, defensive end, and I'm just kind of paraphrasing here, and then there's Max Crosby. Uh, so you got to tell us, you got to break that, uh, that tweet down that you had about you being the defensive end and then also Max Crosby in the picture. Well, what I said is one of the greatest – tight ends or one of the greatest defensive ends to ever play high school football yeah and some dude named max <laughs> and uh yeah yeah so you know you know my high school highlight tape speaks for itself uh you can kind of cut on the film and you see you know over 10 or 11 game season whatever it was you're going to see two or three sacks on there you're going to see maybe four or five tfls you're not going to see a whole lot of pressures uh you're going to see someone that's solid and run support and uh, really just tease off on the passer like once a month. So, uh, yeah, you know, just uh, just a little subtle chair for my the boys that I'm still, uh, you know, I played real football in high school and I got a little that in my blood. I'm not mad at that at all. Right now we're talking with A.J. Cole, uh, Raiders Pro Bowl punter here on Raider Nation Radio 920. My man DeMond's got a question for you. All right, A.J., keeping it on Twitter, the team tweeted out of like a video of you catching a pass in the end zone and you're like, keep that a secret. You don't want the NFC to see it. Can we expect you maybe some trick plays? Like, how versed are you as a receiver then if it comes to it? The only thing you can expect is the unexpected. <laughs> and that, that goes for all the football, but it really goes for the Pro Bowl. So, you know, some stuff has ended up on social media. Whether or not it was supposed to end up on social media, it's out of my hands. But, uh, we're, you know, we're, we're going to be dialing some stuff up. We're going to be just doing whatever we can to put points on the board for the fans. You know, it's funny. You mentioned the fans. Uh, Jess Wynn Wendy, she uh, listens to the station all the time, chimes in on the show all the time. She was out of practice, and she said, please pass on to AJ that I love that trick play touchdown at practice today. I hope you and Daniel and Trent can figure out one to do in the fall. So, uh, AJ, I'm sorry it's out there now. It's out there. They might not get that time to shine and get that touchdown pass because now other teams might be looking out for it. But it sounds like you got some skills. Yeah, well, I, I told the, I told Twitter not to show it to the NFC. So, uh, <laughs> you know, honor code, hopefully they kind of hold up their end of the bargain and nobody shows the Packers coaches. Right, exactly. You don't you don't want you don't want them to know any of that kind of information. But uh, uh, still, a lot of fun, man. And, and it's glad it's good to see that you guys are having a lot of fun out there uh, in the Pro Bowl practices. Now, I did want to ask you. I mean, your team got a new head coach and got a a new GM to, uh, this week, and Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels. So, what do you know about those two, and how much have you uh, had to talk with those guys yet? Yes, yeah, so I haven't had a chance to speak with either of them yet. But you know, we have a couple guys here that are playing in the Pro Bowl that have been on the Patriots for a while, and uh, you know, Matt Jones. Matthew Slater, Judon, guys like that. So I've kind of uh, picked their brain a little bit, asked them what they thought. They all had really, really positive things to say. They like them a lot. Um, so, you know, we're excited about uh, the future of the organization. We're going to kind of capitalize off the momentum from last year. Um, we're going to have, a, you know, a lot of turnover. There's going to be a lot of change. But I think it's on the players to keep that consistency and keep us moving in the right direction. But everybody I've talked to about Coach McDaniels has had really positive stuff to say, so I'm really excited to get to work with him. You know, you mentioned the momentum that you guys had last season, and you really did, you know, went all the way into the playoffs, made a nice run, and uh, just about beat the, 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 the Bengals, who are now going to be represented in the Super Bowl, but a heck of a run. Uh, what was it like in that locker room when you guys were on that four-game winning streak, when it was basically you against the world, everyone thought, including myself, I, I doubted that you guys could go and win four in a row, and that was my fault, but you guys went and did it. What was it like in that locker room? 
man, we just had such a special group of men in that locker room from the players to the coaches, everybody just kind of came together. I think there's a lot of teams that, you know, in, in years past on, you know, other organizations that, you know, if they're sitting in that spot and they're, I think we were, yeah, we were six and seven at that point, you know, a lot of people would have just started making vacation plans. Mm -hmm. They would have booked a flight for Cabo on January 10th and they would have just said, you know, we're going to play these next couple games you know, put some okay stuff on film, lose them, win them, whatever, and get out of here. But I really think that we had this uh, this bond, and we really cared about each other. We loved each other, and we wanted to keep, uh, you know, keep playing together. And, you know, that was – you could really feel it in the locker room. And every time we won, you could just feel that momentum building and building. And, uh, you know, I think it's part of the reason that the end of the season was so emotional. There was a lot of tears in the locker room after the game. I think we really believed we could do it. And for a while, there was not a lot of people outside of our building that, that believed in us, but we believed in each other, and that's really what uh, that's really all that mattered. Yeah, you made a lot of believers. I mean, you really did. There was a lot of folks that, that doubted the, the team, and, and you guys showed what you could do, and like I said, made a heck of a run into the playoffs and just about beat the team that's representing the AFC now in the Super Bowl and the Cincinnati Bengals. And so I know that, you know, obviously Rich Basaccia was the interim head coach. He was also the special teams coach, so I'm imagining that you and Daniel and Trent obviously have a lot closer bond uh, with Rich than even maybe some other players. So I know he's not the head coach of the team, but what did Rich Basaccia mean to you? Man, so much. I can't, I can't tell you the impact he's had on my life, not only as a player, but also just as a person, as a man. Um, he just coached me hard. He coached me the right way. Um, I have no doubt that he uh, was the perfect person for me to come into this league. He really just taught me the, the way it works. He had so much to say um, just from a skill perspective, and he always knew the right thing to say. He always knew whether to be hard on me or whether to encourage me. Um, so yeah, I you know I, I can't speak highly enough about him. You know, without meeting Coach Versace, there's a really good chance I'm not playing in the NFL. I'm definitely not playing in the Pro Bowl. So um, I love that man, and you know I'm, I'm really excited to see where his career goes from here. Talking right now with AJ Cole here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. All right, AJ, I, I saw earlier today that you were getting asked about Derek Carr's hair because he cut the hair. Mm. The flow's no longer there, but you can you can talk about Derek's hair. But do you think that you have some of the best hair in the NFL? You know, there's a lot of guys with good hair in the NFL. I, you know, I, I think that just to even be mentioned in the same conversation as guys like that really means a lot. Uh, you know, I've been looking at Justin Herbert recently in the locker room the last couple of days, and, you know, we kind of have similar length hair, so there's kind of a battle going on there back and forth. You know, I mean, there's there's some guys that, that, that have the flow. There's some guys that, you know, have some incredible dreads. And so, you know, there's, you know, that's, you know, honestly, I'm just humbled to even be mentioned in, in the same in the same conversation with a lot of those guys. I'm not going to say that I have the best hair because I just don't think that's fair to the other people. I don't think it's fair to me. I'm young, and, and so, uh, you know, there's a lot there's a lot still left to prove. I'll say this, AJ. I'm a guy that can respect a good haircut. I'm going to take you to my barbershop, man. I'm going to let you get a good fade and maybe get some designs in the hair. I think you should show up to the locker room next year with a tight fade, maybe some waves, you know what I mean, and, and get a design in the back of your head. How about that? Yeah, I, I was actually faded up in college for a little bit. Uh, the waves the waves were drowning people. That's the problem. I was swimming. And so, uh, you know, you know, once I decide to leave the long hair behind, take me to the barber shop, fade me up, I'll, I'll, get, I'll, get, it, I'll get it right. 
I like it. I like it a lot, man. I'm, I'm good with it. I'm good with it. That's awesome. That's why you're the guy. And, AJ, before we let you go, and we do appreciate your time this afternoon, I just wanted to ask about that relationship between you and Trent and Carlson. I mean, you guys are all, you know, especially in that unit, you've got to be a one cohesive unit, and you guys look like you're thick as thieves. So what is that relationship like? Yeah, those are my guys. Playing with them week in, week out. I mean, we just have such a good relationship. We've been through so much together. I lived with Trent for a little bit. You know, those are my best friends. Um, you know, we've just played through some high highs and some low lows together. And, you know, we really understand the way each other's work. We have so much respect for each other. And, you know, we know kind of the right thing to say at the right moment, you know, to kind of encourage each other and stay on the right track. So playing with those guys is honestly, it's an honor and a privilege. And uh, I, I'm hoping to play with them for a very, very long time. I think part of me and Daniel signing our extensions came out of the, you know, comfortability that we will be together and we know that you know we can push each other and uh you know both in the weight room on the field everything and so i think the battery we have really translates to on-field success and so i'm just looking forward to playing a lot more games with those guys i just got a quick message from dr jen she said that you at practice today you put on her uh, her shield around your neck and uh they were hoping you were going to sign it but you just wore it and then gave it back but uh you had a big old shield around your neck today at practice I did. It was a shield with a little chain on it. So I was <laughs> I was putting it on just as a little joke while I was signing this kid's football. And then right as I'm finishing signing his football, I'm getting yelled at. Rabel saying we got to bring it up and practice is <laughs> over. And I was like, ah, and it, I would have tried to sign it really quickly, but I had a black Sharpie in my hand and, and it was black. And so I, I, it wouldn't have shown up. I really panicked. So to Jen, <laughs> I apologize. If you're at practice tomorrow, look for me. I'll try and get that signed. That is my bad completely. Uh, just some poor timing. It's all good. It is all good. I'm sure she appreciates the shout-out right there. AJ, thank you so much for your time. Hey, congratulations again on being a pro bowler. You and uh, and, and the rest of the unit there had a hell of a season, and so uh, we congratulate you and we thank you for your time this afternoon. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. No doubt about it. There he goes, AJ Cole. That's a fun conversation right there. Uh, that's the punter for the Raiders. He is the pro bowler, the pro bowl punter that was wearing Dr. Jen's uh, shield this afternoon. I'm not mad. Hey, you know what? Everywhere that Dr. Jen wears that shield, she always gets, there's always someone giving her a compliment on it or asking her where she got it. Uh, she's got the goods. I'll tell you that right now. Dr. Jen's got the goods when it comes to some Raiders memorabilia. 325 is the time. We're keeping this party rolling. Patricia Trainer, Locked On Giants, GiantsCountry.com. She'll join us next to talk about defensive coordinator Patrick Graham and what he can mean to the Silver and Black if they do, in fact, hire him. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Give me your best. What's up, Raider Nation? This is uh, Hall of Famer Tim Brown. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. What's up, Raider Nation? This is Hall of Famer Tim Brown, and you listen to Raider Nation 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Earlier this afternoon, uh, Tom Pelissero from the NFL Network tweeted out the Raiders are interviewing Giants defensive coordinator Patrick Graham today for the same job in Las Vegas. New York wants to retain Graham, but he may have option. He also interviewed with the Steelers. So with that information, I decided to reach out to my good buddy that covers the Giants like a glove, and that's Patricia Trainer from Locked On Giants and also GiantsCountry.com. Uh, does a fantastic job. And Patricia, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. So uh, Patrick Graham, that's a guy that I've always admired from a distance. I I thought he's done a heck of a job with the Giants defense. Even if the team wasn't winning, I thought he's done some really good things. Uh, what are your thoughts when you see him interviewing with the Raiders? Nervous, I guess. Um, I like Patrick Graham. I think he's an outstanding coach. 
Um, I know that the defense had some struggles this year. Part of that was a result of injuries. Some of it was a result of just everything being dragged down with the offense and whatnot. But I'll tell you what, Patrick Graham is innovative. He's a guy who can uh, make chicken salad out of scraps. He's a guy who I think his players respect and buy into what he's preaching. And um, he holds himself accountable. So when the players are doing well, it's on them. And when they're not doing well, he sits there and he beats himself up. And I think the players respect that and they like that about him. Brian Dayball, who's now the head football coach there with the Giants, he said that he wants to retain uh, Patrick Graham. He wants him to be that defensive coordinator. Do you think that Patrick Graham wants to work for Brian? I don't want to say works for him, but do you think that he wants to stay with the Giants, or do you think he wants to leave the organization and maybe go to the Steelers or the Raiders? I think, given the circumstances, remember, uh, Patrick Graham applied for and was interviewed for the Giants head coaching job, did mm. not get it. So I, I think as a fallback, Graham would consider coming back to the Giants. But that said, I mean, ask yourself this. If you interviewed for a position and you didn't get it, wouldn't you want to look elsewhere to see if maybe there was something better for you? It might be a pride thing with him. I don't know. You know, I don't want to speak for Patrick, right, obviously. Right. But I think, I think you know, if, if nothing else comes, comes down the pipe, he at least knows he's got a job with the Giants. But I can't blame him for exploring his options and, you know, going – uh, having this opportunity to reunite with Josh McDaniels, the two of them were on the Patriots staff years ago. I, c- I can certainly understand the connection there and why he would want to pursue that. You know, it's funny. I, I didn't realize that he had interviewed for the, the Giants job. That makes a whole lot of sense. I was saying before the show or during the show that uh, I, the only way I see him leaving is if the Raiders gave him like a defensive coordinator slash maybe assistant head coach. But with that knowledge and that nugget that you just dropped in there, it does kind of make sense that he would go and be the defensive coordinator. And, and this is the other thing that I'm understanding because he interviewed with the Steelers before Dayball became the head coach and he, he uh, uh, you know, just was uh, interviewing for the defensive coordinator position. That's why the Giants couldn't block him from interviewing with the Raiders. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. With the Giants, um, Patrick Graham had the title defensive coordinator assistant head coach. That was okay. under Joe Judge. Now, because um, he was allowed to interview for the Steelers job, while the Giants were doing their own search for a head coach, they couldn't very well turn around now and say, no, sorry, Patrick, you're still under contract. We're not letting you going to, you know, we're not going to let you interview with other teams. They can't block that. And, you know, I don't think they would anyway, mm. because, you know, that's not how the Giants are, but right. um, you're correct in your understanding. Okay. Well, that's uh, as long as I'm correcting something, Pat, I mean, I, it takes me, <laughs> you know me, it you're takes me a while. A lot of things. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're good on a lot of things. <laughs> Talking right now with Patricia Trainer, Locked On Giants at GiantsCountry.com here on Raider Nation Radio 920. So what would you say about his versatility as far as defensive coordinator? Because the Raiders traditionally run that 4-3 set, but I know that that Patrick Graham is really a 3-4 type guy. Actually, he's not. I'll tell you a real quick story. Uh, When Patrick Graham was first hired, we all gathered on on a Zoom call with him at the time because, remember, we were in COVID, and we said to him, are you a 3-4 or a 4-3 guy? And his answer was yes. So we all kind of (laughs) chuckled over it. But in reality, yes. I mean, he is, he's, he's multiple. He considers himself a multiple defensive guy. Does he operate primarily out of the base, out of a base 3-4? Yes, he does. But we also see a lot of, uh, three, four sets. We've seen some sets where there's two defensive linemen and, and an extra linebacker, um, a lot of nickel. We've seen a lot of dime. So he tries to tailor 
his defense to the personnel matchup, the offense is showing, and also the situation. That's why I think he says he's multiple. And if you think about it, you know, how many teams stay in their base defense anyway? I think I saw statistics where most teams play nickel like 60% or more of the time. So, yeah. I agree. I, I saw that as well. So that's good. That's a good little nugget to know right there. Again, we're talking with Patricia Trainer. As far as his biggest strength, again, I've seen him get a lot out of these players, and uh, even when the team wasn't that great. And that's, that's hard because on the offensive side, if they're struggling, sometimes the defense will be, okay, we've been out here too long or we're doing too much. But it seems like for the most part, they, they stay pretty even keel. What, what would you say is, is Patrick Graham's biggest strength as far as being that D coordinator? I think he's very driven. You know, if something didn't work the week before, he gets back in the lab and he figures it out or tries to figure it out to almost to the point where it's like, Patrick, take a break, you know, to, you know, take, go, go get a, go eat a sandwich or something like that. He, he's very driven from what I understand. I've had people inside the building tell me that this is a guy who just, he's so intent on having his, his players succeed. And if it means that, you know, he's got to skip a meal or he's got to, you know, stay a little extra later at the office, he's willing to do that. So the players see that, they appreciate that, and uh, they love him for it because uh, there was a great story, I think it was last year, not, not 2021, but 2020, where he was talking about a loss, I think it was the Eagle, against the Eagles, and it was a pretty bad loss, and Patrick took it personally to the point where I thought he was going to break down in tears on the, on the Zoom call. That's how, how much he wants his guys to succeed. And when they don't, it really hurts him. He's like, what did I as a teacher not do to get these guys ready to play? So that's why they love him. That's why he, that's one of the qualities that makes him such a good coach. And, um, you know, I hope he comes back to the Giants for selfish reasons, but if he doesn't, whoever gets him is going to be darn lucky. Well, I'll tell you this. If he's not going to go back to the Giants, I mean, you know, for selfish reasons, he might as well just come to Vegas, right? I mean, so who cares about the Steelers? Just tell him to come to Vegas. Just say, hey, you know, if you're not going to stay here with the Giants, go on to Vegas, let Q cover you, that'll be cool. I mean, just, again, Pat, we're trying to be selfish here. <laughs> hey, why not? I mean, we we can all be selfish, right? Right. Nothing nothing wrong with that. And, and before I let you go, I did want to ask you, because one of the hottest topics uh, in the NFL this week is, of course, the Brian Flores lawsuit. And the Giants, obviously, are, are a team that they're talking about. And they hired Brian Dayball. And we, I mean, I don't have to go through it all. We all know how we got to where we're at right now. But what are your thoughts, just from the Giants' point of view, on, on what's being, uh, you know, the, the allegations that are out there from Brian Flores? Well, the Giants came out with a statement yesterday denying any wrongdoing in, you know, from what Brian Flores accused them of. They said, look, this is what happened. This is the timeline. Uh, this was the schedule that he was on. And there was just no way that what he's alleging, you know, as far as his timeline is concerned, matches up with what, what we say has happened. Now, I always say that truth is somewhere in the middle. You know, you have two, two sides of the argument. The truth is somewhere in the, in the middle. On a bigger picture, Q, I do think that, you know, overall there is a problem with the NFL and and diversity. We don't have enough minorities in, you know, head coaching positions, GM positions, something that needs to be looked at because there are a lot of qualified candidates that just get, I think, get overlooked for whatever the reason. Right. So, you know, to to me, I'm not so sure the Rooney rule is working the way it was intended to. And, um, you know, I, I would hope down the line that maybe they look at it and these that everybody, you know, regardless of whether you're, you know, 
an African-American, whether you're Hispanic, whether you're a woman, that you get an opportunity mm-hmm. if you have paid your dues to, you know, take that step and be, you know, in a high-level position in the NFL. Right. I agree. I agree with you 100%. Couldn't have said it better. And let me close with this. It feels like this uh, lawsuit has got, and I said it yesterday, they got so many branches on this tree that, and you've been covering the NFL for a very long time. I think this is going to be a conversation at one level to another level to another level. We're going to be talking about for quite a while. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, look, it's it, it's a hot topic. It's it's been a it's been a topic. You know, I know a lot of people would just assume close their eyes and kind of sweep it under the rug. But you know, from my perspective, you know, a, a lot of people may might not look at this, but as a woman, I'm a minority mm-hmm. in, in a in a male orientated business, so right. I totally get it. And you know, I I look at stuff and I say, you know, gee, I wish this were different or that were different. So let's hope that something good comes out of it, that that change comes out, that we can all uh, embrace and, and live with and say that, look, at the end of the day, this was worth it. Right. No doubt. And you do a great job. At which you've been doing it for a very long time uh, on the Locked On Giants and GiantsCountry.com and on Twitter at Patricia underscore trainer. Patricia, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate your Great insight as always. Enjoy the weekend, and uh, we'll be talking soon. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. There she goes. Patricia Trainer, Locked on Giants, GiantsCountry.com. Again, she's been covering the league for a very long time. Uh, it's funny, before we even knew that we were uh, locked on uh, co-workers, uh, she was always jumping on my radio station in uh, ESPN Central Texas talking about the G-Men. So uh, she does a fantastic job, and I definitely appreciate her. 341 is the time. When we come back, as we keep this party rolling, uh, we got Sako Alafipo, safety from Liberty High. He signed his letter of intent on Wednesday. He's going to go be a safety for Utah State. He's going to be an Aggie, and we'll hear from him next on Red Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Just got this note from Joseph on Twitter. Appreciate you, Joseph. The Colts are hiring Gus Bradley as defensive coordinator, so... Former Raiders defensive coordinator Gus Bradley is off to Indianapolis. Indianapolis is replacing Matt Eberflus, who's now in Chicago. And the revolving doors at Coaches continues. The coaching carousel goes round and round and round. Thank you, Joseph, for that. We do appreciate you. And uh, I did appreciate catching up with Sako Alafipo last night. Uh, really good dude, man. Safety from Liberty High. He's signed to go to Utah State and uh, just take his game to the next level. And I really respect it when when local local kids get their opportunity to go and, and play on the next level and also go get an education. Uh, and, and get it on the strength of what they're able to do on the field. So here's that conversation I had last night with Sako Alafipo. Joining me now on the phone lines to talk about the next level. And what I mean about the next level is going to play college football. Sako Alafipo, safety from Liberty High. He just signed his letter of intent on Wednesday to go to Utah State. And Sako, thank you so much for your time. How cool was it to have that opportunity to put your, your name to paper and, and know that you're going to the next level to play football? It was really cool. I've been... My whole life has just been wanting to play at that next level. So to be able to have this opportunity to play is just wonderful for me and my family. So, yeah. What did it mean to to you? You know, what did it mean to the family? Like you said, you've been waiting your whole life to do this. Uh, what what did it mean to you guys when, when you saw your name actually on that paper and you knew, hey, this is a done deal. I'm, I'm an Aggie now. It was, ama- it was an amazing feeling, you know. My, my parents, they both believe that I can do this. And um, seeing my name on that paper is just made me realize that I got something to prove to people, you know, people that coaches that looked over me and stuff like that. So just have something to prove. 
you come from Liberty. You're a big-time safety, big-time playmaker. Uh, how much did you learn uh, from Liberty and obviously a, a winning tradition there? How much did you kind of learn and grow in the game of football? Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a lot different environment. Like, Liberty is a, it's a great school, especially in Vegas, so there's a lot of good competition. And I know my head coach is Coach Mark, but he expects a, expects a lot out of the players that come through. So, you know, it just gives me that extra push and drive to show them that. I belong in this type of environment, so yeah. Yeah, you definitely uh, belong. You know, like I said, big-time playmaker, that safety position. Uh, you, you mentioned playing football your whole life. Uh, when did you fall in love with football, and what made you fall in love with football? So really, well, uh, the first year I played was when I was like eight, around eight years old, and what made me love the sport, my dad played football at Louisiana Tech, so okay. I guess this was just passed down to me, and <laughs> since we were little kids – He's been training me and trying to prepare me for right now this time. Nice. So that that's awesome. That's a good bond right there between uh, father and son. So what did he have to say uh, when all this was said and done? Actually, what did he have to say when all this recruiting was going on and, and you were you know deciding where you were going to go and you ultimately made the decision to go to Utah State? How, how did your dad feel? He was really happy and uh, he supported every decision that I made. You know, he stuck through the hard times because we had that COVID time. So yeah throughout the recruiting so he just stuck through there with me and just had my back on everything he just put sits just basically sat back and just believed in me and that year that COVID year was so tough for not only you but every every young man that played football here in the the state of Nevada and 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 at Liberty but uh how how difficult was that and how happy were you to get back onto the field this year (laughs) it was really difficult but you know like like any other player could say it just it just gave us an opportunity to push ourselves more you know and so it was like it was it was weird everyone was happy when <laughs> we got that we got that <laughs> that letter that we can play football so it, it's yeah. special man it really is and and I, I mean I guess when it's taken away then you really know how much you love it uh, because you yeah, miss it so much right <laughs> like I feel like a lot of those kids take it for granted but once you once you see that you actually can't play it just hits you <laughs> right exactly and so when you're not playing football when you're not in the in the in the classroom working on your studies and and that's another part of this I mean you had to get your grades uh to be at the right point or else you wouldn't be uh, getting this level either you wouldn't get to go to the next level so congratulations on that but when you're not studying and you're not playing football uh what do you like to do what's your what's your off off you know field activities as uh including training I mean, nah, just when you're getting away from football, when you're, you know, when you're just relaxing, when you're letting your hair down, just having a good time. <laughs> um, I usually like to hang out with my brothers because I got my family. We're, we're, we're past that young phase, so we're a lot like, we're all close in ages. So we usually hang out. Where do you, where do you guys hang out at? Is there a hot spot that you guys, the family goes to? I mean, we, we, we just got a pool in the backyard, so we just be chilling in the hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> I heard, hey, man, ain't nothing wrong with that. Hang out in the hot yeah. tub. <laughs> that's that's where we all get older is we're all getting to that point. So, right. You guys sound like that you guys uh you guys get your training on a lot. I mean, you, you mentioned training. It sounds like you stay on the grind all the time trying to prepare for, for the next step. Yeah, you got that water. Right, absolutely. Uh, how's it to to know that you're going to play ball at Utah State and you're going with a, another young man from uh, from from Las Vegas and Jet Solomon uh, from Desert Pines? Is is that kind of cool as well? Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, for me, I'm really excited to play Utah State. That team is a lot of has a lot of ballers, so I'm I'm really excited to go out there and compete. 
I've worked my ass off lately, so I'm going to go down there and prove to the coaches that they didn't make a wrong pick. But I know that it's going to be it's going to be a good time, especially with my boy Jet at uh, Desert Pines. Me and him have a close bond too. We go, we played on the same side on seventeen, so okay, we kind of have a for each other and how we play because we played against each other a couple of times, played with each other, hung out a few times, you know. Did you guys kind of recruit each other? Kind of, hey, this is where you know they're talking to me, I'm talking to them. Uh, you should talk to them too, and uh, and we could team up together. Oh uh, yeah, so like to a certain extent, so like we we both got offers. I think like around the same time. Okay, like, yeah, I think in weeks and like few few days apart and once i got mine i just committed because for me it was like um it was just a feeling of like these coaches seeing the potential that i have in me and they believe in me so i'm gonna believe in them and they showed a lot of love so nice i'm excited to go there right for those (laughs) especially Right. Well, now now you're you're gonna be an Aggie man. That that's a lot of fun. Uh, how much fun did you have at Liberty? Just kind of growing in, in football. Obviously, growing in football with your family as well. But just your teammates and your coaches there at Liberty. I mean, how how cool was that? And how how much did they help you uh, kind of grow to be a man as well? Oh man, that's a big part of this whole journey. My football teammates. We have a lot of ballers, a lot of D one players. So obviously, we're gonna be pushing each other in practice. Coach Marco, head coach, does so much for our team. And he puts in a lot of work for us. So we all, we're all grateful for Coach Marco. We're all grateful for each other, for pushing each other. We, I'd say that none of us would be making it this far. If we weren't there for each other in practice, pushing each other, getting a little, building uh, <laughs> that tense up in practice. So. Well, yeah, well, Coach is great. Uh, we've actually talked to him a few times. Uh, he was a Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Year uh, a year ago, and uh, he, he's just a heck of a coach and has a heck of a program. Like I said, you guys have a really good winning tradition. So uh, when you get to campus, you know, when you get to Utah State, what's what's the goal? What's the plan? Are you trying to get on the field early? Has, have the coaches told you anything? Or are you just kind of hit the, hitting the ground running when you get there? Yeah, I feel, that's what, I feel like that's what I'm going to do. So as of right now, Coach Bronda, tells me how I'll be playing um, strong safety. So he's going to – well, when I first get there, I'm going to – he's going to put me around strong safety, role position, striker, stuff like that, see where I fit best that, and then we'll see what goes on from there. What uh, What do you love about the safety position? Uh, I love safety because I could come down and hit. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you're strong safety. <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> exactly. But at the same time, you're like – you're really like the quarterback on the defense. Mm-hmm. You're like, you have the eye. You're up in the back. You got the whole field to see. Run alleys, like no, read quarterbacks. So that's why I love safety. Nice. Is there a safety that you look up to in the in the NFL right now, or maybe even a collegiate uh, safety that you look up to that you really respect their game? Yes, sir. Honey Badger. Ah, okay, okay. Nice, nice. Tyron Matthew. Yeah, he's he's a hell of a player, man. Been a player for a long time coming out of LSU. He was a he was a dog then, he's a dog now. He, yeah, man, okay. Nice. I I like that. Do you have a favorite football team right now? Um <laughs> I got the Steelers, but they, they didn't do that too good this past year. No, no, I mean hey, they can't, you know, they they've they've been good for a long time though. They they've got a heck of a safety there in Mika Fitzpatrick as well. You like him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like him. He's pretty good. All right. And I got to ask you because, I mean, we're here in Las Vegas. The Raiders are here in Las Vegas. Uh, you, oh, yeah. You like the Raiders? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I'm the same state as the Raiders. But I'm saying, like, since I was a kid. Right. Like, he, like, yeah. 
Raiders Raiders and Steelers, basically. So there you go. Well, I know you didn't. You had you had opportunity this year to play in Allegiant Stadium, right? Oh yeah, a a couple times I think. So first time I couldn't because I went down to. Utah State for my official, so. Oh, okay, okay. All right, well, yeah, Legion Stadium is a heck of a place, and I'm sure you have aspirations of playing on Sundays, but uh, before you play on Sundays, you got to play on Saturdays. So uh, we just wanted to we just wanted to salute you, man, and show you some love, and, you know, you're homegrown, and, and you're about to head to Utah State to be an Aggie, and uh, we just congratulate you, congratulate your family. I'm sure they're very proud of you and happy, so keep doing what you do, my man, and, and like I said, we definitely appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for taking out the time you guys day to interviewing me, talking to me, congratulating me all, all that. Absolutely. Like I said, we, we want to make sure we take care of home, man, and your home, and, and we're going to be paying attention to you. Just because you go to Utah State don't mean we ain't going to be paying attention, so you got to uh, go there and represent <laughs> for the 702. <laughs> yes, sir. There he goes. That's the safety right there from Liberty, Sacco, Alafipo, uh, headed to Utah State, one of the many that signed their national letter of intent on Wednesday. It's been a crazy week around here on Radio Nation Radio 920, so we didn't get to highlight them as early as we want to, but I told you earlier this week I was not going to forget about the youngsters that are taking their game to the next level, and congratulations to Sacco coming from Liberty High and uh, going to Utah State. There it goes right there. So uh, that was the conversation that uh, that we had last night with Sacco, and congratulations to uh, him and his family. He's headed to Utah State. He's going to go be an Aggie, and uh, just it's, it's fun to have those kind of conversations. And I like to talk to these guys when they're high schoolers heading to college. And I like to talk to these guys when they're collegiates headed to the NFL. Even more than I like talking to the guys once they're already in the league. It's just kind of cool to see the progression. So uh, there's one thing I'm dedicated to doing around here, and that's making sure that uh, homegrown is taken care of. You know, and, and our home base is taken care of. So uh, many thanks to Jordan Pollard from uh, Faith Lutheran High School and then also Sako Alafipo from Liberty High that you heard on today's show along with all the rest of the guests Cassie Soto, Jacob Infante, Patricia Trainer, AJ Cole. Yeah, we we drank, we we uh, we we crammed 4 hours of radio into 2 hours. I don't know how we did it, but we did it. And the party ain't over. Nah. Vinny Bonsignor, he's coming up next in the huddle. He's got some info. He's got some skinny on what's going down with the coordinator position, what's going on with the front office position. You know, Vinny's got the details, and he's going to bring it to you. going to close out the week really strong, 4 to 6 p.m. right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Next time I talk to you, I'll be from L.A., Vinny's favorite place in the world. We'll be talking to you from Radio Row. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.